Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. It's really good to see those of you that were retreating last week. You've come back. We're glad to have you. But well, we had a great group last week, by the way. It was awesome. Second Peter this morning, chapter 1. We are now in a, the second week of a new sermon series called Made to Mature. This series is all going to be about our spiritual growth as Christians. We are going to be challenged to grow as Christians. In fact, if you look at verse 2 of 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, May God's grace and peace be lavished upon you as you grow. And then verse 18 of chapter 3, the very last verse of the book, so in a sense from beginning to end, Peter says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow. Grow. Last week we started this series, and I don't want to take too much time to, to go back and review, but I think it's important even as we move into today's message that we do a little bit of a review. Because Peter wants to talk to us about the motivations of our spiritual growth, why we should want to grow, as well as the means that we talked about last week. And then this morning, we're going to talk about the mission and the marks that we should be setting for our spiritual growth. But let's go back for a moment to some motivations that Peter gives us. First of all, we should want to grow as Christians because it's God's will. And that should be enough, but... That's where we start. It's God's will that you and I grow as Christians. We were not designed by God to be saved and then just stay there. In fact, that leads to the second motivation for spiritual growth, which is if we're not moving forward, we're regressing. There is no such thing in the Bible as getting to a place in your Christian life and just sort of staying there. So every one of us, right now even, we're either progressing and moving forward or we're going backward. No middle ground when it comes to spiritual things. So that's the second motivation. Third motivation we saw last week is that you and I will never become who God created us to be or saved us to be apart from spiritual growth. The only way we do that is to become partakers of the divine nature, as Peter talked about, and that's a change that happens through growth. Another reason we should want to grow is because we will be a greater encouragement to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ if we're growing. If we're going backwards as a Christian, we're not going to be much of a profit or benefit to our fellow believers, but we're going to be a great encouragement to them if we're growing. Another reason we should want to grow is we'll be a more effective witness to those that don't know God. God can use us in greater ways and more expanded ways as we are growing to reach those that do not know him. Now, let me share another one this morning that I failed to mention last week, and it's something that I have certainly seen in my own life, and as a pastor for 37 years, I certainly see it in interacting with other Christians. And that is that the majority, and when I say majority, I'm talking upper 90% of anything and everything that you and I will ever struggle with as a Christian in this life 
can be overcome through spiritual growth. In other words, we'll grow out of things or grow into things if we have the patience and the perseverance to just keep growing. Much of what, you know, Christians sort of lays them aside and sort of gets them, you know, to a place where they're just spinning or whatever are things that if they just would stay on the path of growth, they would grow out of. Now, Peter's going to talk to us about more motivations this morning. But I want to get in this morning also to what we want to talk about, because last week we talked about the divine equipping. Peter says, I want to bring this out, and I I want to begin now in verse 3 of 2 Peter 1. He's praying for their spiritual growth, and he says, I'm able to pray about your spiritual growth because God's divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness. And we talked about the fact last week that that means that I have the means to grow as a Christian, that none of us will ever get to heaven and be able to say, God, I lacked something, I was deficient in something that would have allowed me to grow. God said, nope. I gave you everything. And we've got to embrace that. We've got to trust that. We've got to believe that. And many Christians don't ever get there. They're always thinking, I need this, or I, you know, I've got to have this. Or no, God says, I've given you everything you need to navigate life and to reflect me in your life, godliness. Now, let's just mention a couple of those things, because I didn't mention them last week. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Every true Christian has the Holy Spirit of God living within them. We have the Word of God. We have the ability to worship God. We have access to God through prayer. We have the church. And within that church, God gives us gifted people in order that we can grow. So all these things, God says, I've given you, you see, what you need. And last week we saw that Peter said, God even gave each of you a faith equal to the faith of the apostles, us, Peter, so that we can't say, well, God, if I would have been walking with you like Peter walked with you, I could have done the things that Peter, no, Peter says, the same ability to be able to trust God that I had, God gave to you too. Then he said, oh, and by the way, we have been fully delivered from our old life. He broke the power of sin and death. Therefore, we can't say that, well, you know, I'm just stuck here, or this is just the way I am. God says, no, no, all of that, okay? So we talked about that last week. But now we want to come to verse 5. And notice what Peter then says in verse 5. For this very reason, for what very reason? Because of the sufficiency of our Savior and our salvation. Because we've been divinely equipped. Because God gave us everything necessary for life and godliness. Notice what Peter says. Make every effort to add to your faith. The phrase make every effort, he uses three times in this first chapter. Notice in verse 10, therefore, brothers and sisters, make 
every effort to be sure of your calling and election. Look over in verse 15 of chapter 1 of 2 Peter. Indeed, I will also make every effort that after my departure you have the testimony of these things. Make every effort. Put forth maximum effort, Peter says, to exert oneself, to fully apply one's self. To give due diligence to something, that's what the phrase means. In other words, here's the crazy thing about the Christian life. God has clearly said, I've given my all to you. Now, I want you to give your all to this, you see. It's not an either or. I can't sit back as a Christian and say, well, God's given me everything for life and godliness and for spiritual growth. Now, God, you do it all. No. It's a joint partnership. It's us and God working together and partnering and participating together. And God wants to see that we are willing to put forth maximum effort. So the question all of us need to really ask ourselves and and examine ourselves with today is, what kind of effort am I putting forth to spiritually grow? Because it is clear that God says, I've given you the means. No Christian is left without the proper means, the equipment. God has outfitted every Christian to grow, to become who he created us to be, to become who he saved us to be. So the only question is then, what about my effort? And that's where, again, we as Christians are all going to be at different stages, not just because we all know the Lord maybe at a different time. We've all been saved at different times, but because at any stage we're putting forth different qualities of effort. And like I said at the beginning, you can have a Christian who's been saved for 20 years who after 20 years of growth starts going backwards, and you could have a Christian who's only been saved for five or ten years who is rocketing through their Christian life because they've been putting forth maximum effort from day one, and they could end up literally passing each other. So that a Christian who's been saved longer and knows the Lord longer could actually be in a more immature spiritual state than a Christian who's been saved for less time. Why? Because of effort. Because of the diligence that one is applying at any one time in our Christian life. Maybe not the best illustration, but you know me, I'm always going to bring it back to food at some point. I try to understand this principle this way. God laid out on a table all the ingredients necessary to make something scrumptious, something delicious, right? He's laid all the ingredients out there. He's given us everything that we need. But we then have to take those ingredients and we've got to put forth the effort to mix them and combine them and and bake them and, and all that kind of stuff so that we then can eat this delicious, scrumptious thing that 
God gave us the ingredients for. That, that's how you balance in your head the fact that, well, if God gave us everything, why do I, because he's not going to do it all for us. Now, I will say this. He will even give us the effort to do it with if our heart is, God, I want to grow. Then even the effort itself that we are putting forth doesn't come from us. It comes from him. He'll give us the energy, if you will, uh, and, and the enthusiasm and all of that to grow if that's where our heart's at so that we don't even have to come up with the effort, you see. It's sort of what Paul said to the Philippians when he says, we need to work out our salvation. That's what he said. Not work for my salvation. We're saved by grace through faith. But once we are saved, we need to work it out. And that God, the Bible says, even gives us the desire to do that, if that's where our heart is at. So today... We've been reminded that we have been divinely equipped and that there is much motivation for wanting to grow so that I can keep moving forward, so that I can be a greater encouragement to my fellow brothers and sisters, so I can be a more effective witness to the unsaved, so that I can become who God created me to be because it's God's will. I need to put forth that kind of effort. Now I want you to look at verse 5 again with me. And we begin to see the marks that we shoot for, if you will, in our spiritual growth. And Paul, uh, Peter, excuse me, gives us several here in verse 5 through 7. For this reason, make every effort to add. By the way, that's a growth word, right? <laughs> Adding something means Growth, increase, becoming greater. Add to your faith. Faith is always the foundation, the ability to trust God. I've got to buy into what God's saying. I've got to embrace it. That's where it starts. But then he says, add to your faith excellence. What is excellence? It is the quality of living that makes one stand out in a good way. It is literally God's ability to be able to perform heroic deeds. We have some heroes in this church. We have some people of excellence. The way you live for God stands out distinctly from others, even other Christians. And especially, I'll say it, in this last year on earth, you've been a hero. You've had the ability to stand out and perform heroic deeds in Less than optimal circumstances. Excellence. And then he says, add to your excellence knowledge. Knowledge is this divine illumination that we get from, from God so that we have a greater insight into things, so that we can see beyond what others see and below the surface where others can see. Again, a supernatural ability that God gives. And it's not a knowledge, again, that just fills our head. It's a knowledge that transforms the way we live. It's not just filling our heads with information. It's providing us with this wisdom and this transformative thinking that allows us to live at, at a highly skilled level, that kind of 
knowledge. We have some knowledgeable people in this church. And then he says, add to your knowledge self-control. Pretty self-evident what that means. Self-restraint, self-discipline. In fact, isn't that one of the great things that's necessary in order to grow is that you be a self-motivator and be self-disciplined to be able to discipline ourselves, to be able to do the things that we know we need to do in order to grow? There needs to be a discipline to our life, you see. We have some very self-controlled people in this church who show self-restraint and self-discipline and self-control. Add to your self-control perseverance. This is a great word that really no, no short definition of it is going to capture all that it means. It's the idea of more than just endurance, but, but this supernatural staying power and sort of stick-to-itiveness, if you will. And it's not just sort of hanging on and enduring the circumstances that we're going through, but actually triumphantly to face them with, with, a, with a hope of, of what is going on and what's to come and what God is doing. And we have some persevering people in this church. Add to your perseverance godliness. Godliness is simply an awareness of God through worship and adoration of him. It is bringing God into every aspect, every nuance of our life and being aware of him at any moment and every moment. And that is through a continual worship of him and adoration of him. That's godliness. And we have some godly people in this church. Add to your godliness brotherly affection, simply a love for your fellow believers. We have some brotherly affectionate people in this church and add to that unselfish love a sacrificial selfless godlike love for all now notice something then verse 8 for if these things are really yours and that phrase, really yours, means it's an abiding possession. In other words, listen to what God's saying. When we got saved, he gave us everything we needed for life and godliness. And these qualities, if you will, these virtues that we are to be pursuing, he gave us when we became a Christian. So if I'm truly a Christian, I already possess these. I don't need to work in order to get them. They're there. But just like a muscle, they've got to be exercised and they've got to be used and they've got to be trained and they've got to be worked out and they've got to be gone after, if you will, all the time in order to grow them. So then the question we have to ask ourselves is, do I truly possess these things? Because the Bible says that if I don't possess these things, then I'm not truly a child of God. 
And I can try as hard as I want to, to be self-controlled and knowledgeable and excellent and persevering and God and all this. I, I can't get there because I can't get to these virtues on my own. These are God-given virtues that he gives to his children alone. But the next question that I have to ask, if I have these things, but I just haven't put forth the maximum effort towards the marks of these things in my life, throughout my life, then that's what I need to start doing. Then here's what Peter says. For if these things are really yours, and don't miss, and are continually increasing, there's growth again, right? Continually growing. So Peter talked in verse 2 about growing. He talked at the very last verse of the book about growing. The word add is a growth word. Now the words continually increasing are growth words. And he says, if these things are really yours and are continually growing or increasing, they will keep you. And now he's going to go back to motivations again. See how Peter weaves the motivations for spiritual growth to the means for spiritual growth to the marks for spiritual growth. All together even tying it into what I guess I would say here to keep with an M word, the mission of spiritual growth, which is put forth maximum effort. That, that's our mission. And notice some of these other motivations that go beyond the ones we've already given. The first motivation for why I should want to keep growing is if these things are really yours and are continually increasing, they will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your pursuit of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ more intimately. By the way, I love the way the Net Bible phrases that in verse 8, and I actually underlined that in my Bible, the last phrase of verse 8, your pursuit of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ more intimately. That, that should be like the goal. Are we pursuing knowing Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, more intimately every day. And again, going beyond a head knowledge, it is an experiential, firsthand, relational, friendship, fellowship, communion knowledge of Jesus. It's getting to know his heart, you see. Well, let's talk about some of these motivations. He says, if, our, if we keep growing in these areas, it will keep us, first of all, from becoming ineffective. Literally, in the original, out of work is what it means, idle. What's he saying there then? He's saying that if you and I keep growing, we will never lack purpose in our life. This is important. Peter says, spiritual growth will always give us purpose for living as a Christian. I will never lack purpose, no matter what season I'm in, whatever circumstances I'm dealing with, whatever the situation is. If I'm a growing Christian, I will never lack purpose. And you think about that, because a lot of times, you know what I hear Christians say? I don't know what my purpose is. I don't have any purpose. I'm a Christian. I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm saved, but I don't know what my purpose is. Spiritual growth solves that. And it really doesn't have anything to do with my position. Like some people think their purpose is, is tied to whatever position or role or responsibility they may have in their church or something. No. 
Because God wants us to see our purpose for living every day. Every day. So that it's not just about your purpose here as part of the Oasis Church or even the part you play in your family. It's much more intricate even than that. It's that every day I wake up, I I, I can look to God with purpose, and I know that this day is going to have purpose because God gave me purpose, and I see it more clearly through my spiritual growth. Never out of work a day in our life when we're a Christian. All the way up to the time we go to be with Jesus, we've got purpose. And God wants his people to get there, to where we're growing at such a place that we never become ineffective, idle, out of work, feeling like we have no purpose when we wake up every day. And secondly, if we keep growing, we'll never lack productivity. They will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive. We could talk about fruitfulness. We talked about that at the end of our worship series in John chapter 15. I'm the vine, you're the branches. God's will is that you bear much fruit. Fruitfulness, productivity. We don't have to worry about being fruitful or our productivity if we just keep growing and and pursuing Jesus Christ our Lord more intimately every day. The fruitfulness and the productivity will be a natural result of that growth and that health spiritually. He gives a couple other motivations in verse 9. Concerning the one who lacks such things, he is spiritually blind. Can a Christian become spiritually blind? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a lack of spiritual vision in our life. And what does that do? Two things. First of all, it says then that lack of growth can produce a short or nearsightedness. Verse 9. It simply means that even as a Christian, I can start living for the here and the now more than I'm living for eternity. That I start putting up and thinking about laying up treasure here and investing in earthly things, material things, temporal things, more than I am investing in eternal things. I'm becoming very short-sighted. I'm only living for what's right in front of me, and I do not have the spiritual vision that only comes through continual spiritual growth to see beyond my present circumstances and to keep my hope and my focus where it needs to be. Short-sighted. And then a lack of spiritual growth also will give us a condition of spiritual amnesia. Notice what he says. That is to say he is nearsighted since he has forgotten about the cleansing of his past sins. Peter says, here's the crazy thing. We can start regressing as a Christian so much so that our salvation really doesn't have an everyday effect on how I live any longer. It's like this past decision I made a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago, and it just has no present bearing on my life right now. It's like, that's the way I used to be. 
And even in, in, in someone talking about their Christian life, if they have to always go back into the past about when, when they served the Lord and when this and all that was happening, and there's nothing that they can bring up from the present, then that's probably someone who's gotten to this point. That their best memories of their Christian life and service are in the past, not in the present. Because it's like my salvational experience, that was a long time ago. See, even though our salvation experience of accepting Christ could have been a long time ago, when you and I are spiritually growing, it can remain fresh every day. Even if I'm saved for 50, 60 years, that even after 60 years of being saved, uh, my, my salvation and being bought by the blood of Christ and being delivered from the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of his dear son never gets old. And I never, never lose the wonder and awe and appreciation and gratitude that I have for being a child of God through the blood of Jesus Christ and through his sacrifice and resurrection. And so I wake up every day in that awe and wonder of just wanting to live for him and worship him. And my salvation is just as current now as it was years ago, you see. But that only, we only get there or we only stay in that place when we're growing, when we're putting forth the maximum effort to add to our faith every day and continually increasing and growing these things in my life. One other one I want to share with you this morning, and we're going to get to it at the beginning of the message next week and lead with this, but I wanted to touch on it this morning. Look at verse 11. One other motivation for growing as a Christian. For thus an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Now please hear me say, I am not saying this and neither is Peter, that you and I have to put forth effort on our own in order to get to the kingdom of God. Again, no. It's not by works that we are saved. Let's make that clear. We are only saved by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, period. It is his work that we trust in, not ours. But that's not what Peter's talking about here. He's not talking about getting into the kingdom. He's not talking about getting into heaven. He's talking about what kind of reception, what kind of entrance for those who are going there get. And what he's basically saying is, depending on our spiritual growth and what we've done throughout our Christian life and what kind of effort we put forth compared to other Christians and what kind of effort they put forth, every Christian's going to get a different kind of reception or entrance. Every kind of, every Christian is going to have a different, in a sense, abundant treasure or lack of it awaiting them when they get there. And Peter says, are you keeping that in the forefront of your mind as you're living your life? See, I've heard many Christians say over the years, not so much here at the Oasis, but in other places, well, I'm just, I'm just glad I'm saved, and all I care about is that I just get in. 
that statement shows that person has not grown as a Christian. Because a growing Christian is going to have Peter's mindset about getting into the kingdom, not I'm just happy I'm going to heaven and that's all I care about. For all the reasons we've talked about why we should want to grow, and especially this one, because Peter is saying, remember something. Though all true Christians will get in to heaven, not all Christians will receive the same reception or entrance into heaven. Not all Christians are going to have the same amount of abundant treasure waiting, awaiting them when they get there. And why the difference? Primarily, what kind of effort did we put forth during our Christian life while we were here on earth? Not every Christian is going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Some are, but some Christians aren't going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Paul makes it very clear to the Corinthians that there's going to be some Christians who have nothing to show for their life, that everything they live for is going to be burned up. And Paul said, they will be saved yet by fire. In other words, they will have no treasure awaiting them because unlike what Jesus said, they did not live their life investing in eternal things. They did not lay up treasure in heaven. So therefore, they will not have a, a, a richly a provided entrance when they come into the kingdom. They will have no lives or nothing to show for their Christian life, but they'll be in heaven with us. See, Peter is saying, I didn't want to be that Christian. I, I, I want to be the Christian that hears from my Lord and Savior, well done, good and faithful servant. I, I want to be the Christian that when I go into heaven, I, I, have, I have this treasure that Jesus encouraged us to have waiting for me there, lives that were influenced and impacted by my life and, and the fact that I didn't live for the temporal, material, and physical things primarily, but I live for the eternal and spiritual things. And all those things are going to be awaiting me there when I walk into the kingdom. And my reception and my entrance into heaven and it's going to look different than other people's because I was willing to put forth the maximum effort and to fully apply myself every day to become who God created me to be and saved me to be. And that's the essence of spiritual growth, my friends. That's it. And Peter is simply using even his own self as an example. He says, when Jesus met me, I was Simon. And he even looked right at me and said, you're Simon, but you're going to become a Peter. And guess what? He did. He did. The Peter that we met in the Gospels is not the same Peter that we meet in the book of Acts. How did he get there? Growth. He grew. He made maximum effort to fully apply and exert himself to the things of God. And God wants to stir his people even today in this day and age and say, here it is, my friends. It doesn't matter what the conditions are in the world because I've given you everything you need for life and godliness and they're not dependent on what's going on in the world or not. 
It's simply you and me in the room now. And God is saying to each one of us, I gave you my all. Are you willing to give me your all? Are you willing to put forth the effort that is necessary to keep adding to your faith and growing as a Christian? I believe that God is doing a special work in this season in our, in our world. And I believe he's calling out Christians like never before to say, will you? Even in this season, will you, will you make a choice for me? Will you make a decision for me? Will you, will you make me more of a priority of your life? Will you, will you rearrange your life a little bit so that you can make spiritual growth? And that's the, that's the deal for every last one of us. Are we just going to let this message from God just sort of sit there and, and go through and be passed out and we just keep on living our lives, you know, the same way as when we walked in? Or are we going to start going, you know what? I could make a tweak there. I could make, a, I could make this a higher priority. I need to get rid of that because that's taking up too much time for where I could devote to something spiritual. That's the kind of engagement God wants us each to have with him. And so I want to ask today, before we even stand and pray this morning, that I believe God wants some of us to make a decision today, a choice, some kind of mark in our life to go, you know what, Lord, I hear you calling. I hear you summoning. I hear you inviting. I'm coming. I'm going to do something in my life about what you've just laid on my heart. Would you consider that this morning? Let's stand. God, you've given us a lot of motivations to want to grow. But God, no matter how much motivation How many reasons, God, I recognize it's still got to come from within our own heart and our own life. It's got to be something that we really want. I mean, even though we can be encouraged by other Christians and the way they live their life, that can't sustain us either. That that can encourage us for a season and for a time, but overall, it, it's got to come from each of us. And each of us here this morning in this auditorium, in this, in this great hall where the great God meets his people, or whether it's there in your homes this morning where you're watching, each one of us has to do some engaging with God this morning. And I believe that God wants some of us to make a choice, a decision, to do something with what we've just experienced here today through our worship time and through our time in the Word. So God, I just pray that we'll be open to your spirit today because I believe you are calling out a people of God not just to be saved, but to live in such a way, God, that we stand out 
that we have the ability through you to be heroes in this world because this world desperately needs heroes. Not the heroes that the world calls heroes, but spiritual heroes. Like some right here in this church and around the country and around the world. God, may we all want what you want, God, for us. And may we go after it with everything that we've got because you're worth it, Lord. And what you have for us, God, in this life and the life to come is worth it, God. May our heart be captivated like never before by you. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.